Welcome Australia. It's that time again for another podcast from the Mate Team, where we try and get into your head with stuff that makes us sound smart. Sit back and relax. It's time for us to be mates. Hi Australia. Welcome to another episode of the Let's Be Mates podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Faz, uh, and as usual in the room, we've got Dom and Bosco. Boys, how are we doing today? Good, Faz. Very good. good. Awesome. Great Exciting to podcast today. Yeah, I think so. And um, might as well get straight into it. In today's episode, uh, we're talking to Mike. Mike is the founder and CEO of an organisation called Xventure. At Mate, we have used the theme of sports to drive our brand identity, particularly through our brand ambassadors, Matt Ryan and Sam Coote, who are both the current captains of the Australian Socceroos and Matilda's team. We feel sport drives spirit, passion and teamwork, which are some of the values we instill in our business and deliver to our customers. Xventure support people and organisations around developing what they call EARL skills, such as emotional agility, resilience and leadership through sports. Our team at Mate is the heartbeat of our business. Without them, we don't have a business. Xventure specialises in developing individual greatness with a team environment which businesses could definitely benefit from. Now we've got Mike. Mike, welcome to the show. So, so thank you. I mean, honestly, it's really good to meet. It's just good already. I already got, I've got a really, really good vibe about you guys. So that's really nice. Um, so, so a little bit about me. I've already said that I'm, I'm originally from, um, and you can tell the colours as well already. I'm, I'm from near Old Trafford originally, from yeah, South yeah. Manchester, and grew up there in, in what was a really, really uh, wonderful environment, working class, but uh, a very happy environment. But for whatever reason, felt that my calling was all about um, caring and helping people. Um, and I don't mean just, I didn't even think about a dollar around it. I always felt my, my yearning was about if I could contribute to someone's life in some shape or form, um, I would feel good about that. So the stage, so being on the stage is not the most comfortable thing for me. It never has been, although it seems to be on the stage quite a lot. It's always been about putting the light and shining on someone else, or if I can support and encourage someone. And that started from a, a very young age. I guess my parents were involved in that um, a lot. They were very caring and helping people in the community. But I went on to do a, a social science and, and psych degree at Sheffield, um, which is a great city too. Loved it. And there got my passion around health. And so majored in health and got interested in how people interact in a very, very um, pressurized environment. So I'm thinking about, let's picture the scene, emergency departments, operating theaters, where you're actually dealing with life death situations. How do you actually get a really positive mindset in that? And that became my calling. I got fascinated by it. So much so that I ended up, um, I did my degree in that, and then I ended up doing a, um, uh, uh, what is now called a, a diploma in health management in at Barts Hospital and um, Hackney Hospital in the East End of London. Barts is one of the oldest hospitals in the country. And start to learn about things like, weird as it may seem, um, we're talking about COVID at the moment, things about disease patterns, what affects different things. And we're, in those days, we're talking about things like HIV and AIDS, of course. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about things like, which really rocked my boat, um, the the closure of asylums, big asylums, and the move from asylums into care in the community. So people with very, very difficult mental health issues suddenly out in the community after being in hospital for many years, how does that impact them? Uh, how does it impact people around them? How do people perceive people with mental health issues and so on? So I ended up actually working a lot in mental health planning in a very, very, um, at a very young age. From there into health planning, did an MBA, still focused on health, to be honest, but moved from the NHS. And we're talking about corporations here. Um, uh, think about this, Dom and, and, and Ross and Mark, a million person employees. That's how many people in the NHS. So think about... I think about the challenge I face in dealing with my wife sometimes, you know, you know, we, our communications still go screwed after 30 odd years. So, but when you've got a million people or you've got quite a big organization out 60 people, things go astray. People actually communicate something, but other people don't hear what they've communicated, etc. So we, we miscommunicate and then things go wrong. So I got again, fascinated with communication processes around 
very, very difficult circumstances. Uh, ended up at Ernst & Young, where I ended up running a health practice in consulting. So I was a strategist and health specialist working on very complex projects. And that's where I ended up coming to, to Australia to help move the kids' hospital. I came for two years and I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they can't get away because I carry a little blue passport, which I'm so proud of. And it's traveled all around the world with me. And I feel very honored and privileged to be in this incredible country because it is yeah. in fact if you've never a lot of people haven't traveled but we we are really so lucky and look what's happened in the last period with covid we know how lucky we are where my uh, my relatives and etc and probably some of your friends and so on over in england are, are really struggling over there yeah. so so that led me to this then from there to um i ended up in a weird and wonderful way <clears throat> a, a managing director of the wiggles for 10 years and people go what the hell and i say what the hell too but um it was really all about um a friend of mine who was one of the wiggles and we've got we've hit it off and we used to go and watch cricket together uh, he was a cricket fanatic that was greg page the yellow wiggle and i got then helping them think through how do you actually do certain things around organizing so health and safety on stages and big arenas how do you tour the uk um, little things like that, which gradually pulled me in. And then before very long, I was, I was running the business or trying to help them, which was a tiny idea, which wasn't planned like yours. And suddenly, a few years later, we're one of the biggest entertainment brands in the world. We're in 120 countries. We're playing sellout shows at Madison Square Gardens. We've got 16 parks. We're, it's just crazy. Yeah. And it wasn't planned. And that's what I loved about it. But truthfully... Underneath all this um, were a couple of things. One is we were passionate in what we did and we loved it. Therefore, if you love something, you generally get quite good at it. And those boys were really good at what they did. Um, and that was the first thing. And secondly, that we always made sure we were respectful of people. So we'd never say, now I haven't got time. So we were always there to have time to people. And the third thing that I felt was really important is that underneath this sort of fun-loving Star Trek uniform group was really um, the fascination of learning because that's what the whole thing was about, helping kids learn and understand. So how can you get a kid who can't even read or write to understand their alphabet or to see colours or to, or to know what things are and do it quickly? So the process of learning is exactly the same. And that's my absolute love about how do you actually transfer something that someone doesn't understand and get them to learn. And then suddenly they're doing it and they're doing it better than anyone could imagine. So I was doing the wiggles and then switching to Xventure. I'm sorry if I'm taking a long time on this, Dom, but you know, you'll have to cut a bit out, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but then what happened was um, I was in America because I did a lot of work in the US. And this is the story that led to X Venture. And, and I realized, so I don't know what you guys were do, doing at the time, but remember the global financial crisis happens. So you'd probably be sort of still at school somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, was, I was running the wiggles. I was running the wiggles over there. And, and you, know, you know what happens when people start to get to know each other quite well? They start to be a bit more honest. So we say in business, oh, everything's great. You know, it's really cool. Well, it isn't always great, is it? Let's face it. It's a, it's a roller coaster. It goes up and down. But in that period of time, I was working with major corporations like Warner Brothers, Disney, uh, Viacom. I'm talking about big corporations with people who are at the heads of these corporations. So I was doing TV broadcast deals, you know, all around the world. And these people would say, yeah, everything's great until you'd go and have a, can I say this, when we're talking about sport, glass of wine at the yeah, night. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe a couple of glasses, maybe a beer or two. <laughs> And you began, suddenly people start to relax and then it all comes out. And things such as, mate, you know, we're in desperate straits. We are struggling. Um, friends are no longer friends. People are fighting each other. People are protective of their jobs. People are frightened of losing their homes. I mean, let's face it, we had bankers jumping off buildings in those days. It was pretty freaky over there. And in Australia, yet again, we were successful in getting through that through mining and banking, but the UK was horrific and America was even worse. So I got to thinking that, you know what, in Australia, we are only one thing. We can't do anything on our own. 
So there's you three good guys working together on something and probably all these other people you've got, 50, 60 people. But we can't do anything on our own. And in Australia, we're so far removed from everywhere. We're such a long way from home, uh, from everywhere else in the world, that we've only, and we're a small population, we have to do stuff together. We can't do stuff on our own. So our success is going to be dependent on our ability to build relationships and build to, to communicate. So that was going on. Second thing was going on was that TV was changing. So it was going to video on demand. So advertising on TV was shifting and changing. So um, those people who used to watch all the ads as well going, oh my God, I could make a cup of tea, get the cake, wash the dishes, bath the children, and then get back for it. It's gone. You can just turn it over. You can don't have to look at that ad exactly. anymore. So consequently, I started to notice this, and I was doing video on demand stuff in, in America. This is eight, ten years ago. So I thought, okay, maybe what we should do is put the brand into the TV show. So I thought, imagine if the TV show is all about people, because ultimately, with mate, with your company, with my company. The thing that defines us is not the product, it's actually the people that make it. It's the people. Because without the people's passion and without the people who care about it, it, it's just the same as anything else. That's the uniqueness of what you have. So what I did was I started to build a TV series, why not? <laughs> and built a TV series around a group of corporates going off to a, a place and me challenging them a whole range of things, but the focus was the people in the corporates. So we had Price Waterhouse Coopers in there, we had GWS Giants in there, we had uh, Nivea, Beiersdorf, Booper, and that's what we did. And it it was dramatic for me. It was, and suddenly all these brands are in the TV show, so you're not actually waiting for the TV show to finish. And I just started to realise that my calling was back to what I started, which was all about. How do I actually help people get a winning mind? And I don't mean winning the game necessarily or winning the grand final, which I know what it feels like to yeah, do that. But, uh, but it, it's also about winning life. Yeah. So X Venture is focused on helping people to get winning minds. And that's what we've been doing for the last seven or eight years in business, education and sport all around the world. And, and I love it. Yeah, and I think winning comes in all shapes and sizes, right? Winning is not always what people think it is. Winning is is the li the little things as well. And I think that's something that we we really resonate as a, a business and mate. And you know, if I talk about some of the, some of the things that you mentioned, and you know, when we talk about partner with people to deliver a goal, I mean, our biggest thing that we say is that we need to partner with the people that are the experts at the things that we need to do and not try and waste our time doing things that we don't understand and, and waste all that time trying to get to know it, right? Um, the other thing you mentioned before is about, um, it's not about the product you sell, it's about the people, right? We call ourselves, mate, is a customer happiness business that happens to sell telco products, right? So our first goal is to make sure that our customers and the people that we service are happy, then we sell them the products. And we feel like that's the difference between us and the other telcos. It's not about the service, it's about the, the our people and, and the I guess the, the information and the service that we deliver uh, mentally versus physically, right? If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's it, you know... We'll talk about Matty probably a little later on. Yeah, but yeah. I think that one, one of the things I try and do, so if you look back at the, the, some of the business we're talking about, the Wiggles, X Venture, Mates, um, winning, winning groups of people, um, they're generally really happy people. Um, it, it goes hand in hand. And, you know, because of my behavioral science and neuroscience background, also there's a connection between happiness and then it fuels a whole heap of hormones, which actually gives you a whole range of other things. Energy, your mind is, I mean, your mind, we're talking about the mind for a second. Your mind is not just what's in the skull. That's a brain, but your mind is actually relational. So it's about the energy and information that transfers between you and, you know, and Dom and, and, and Ross. Those are the things that happen. That's what the mind is. So, in fact, if you're, if you're doing that and you're creating happiness between you, it actually fuels more and more energy and fuel. It's not just kind of some esoteric claptrap thing which you're reading, you know, in some trendy lefty, you know, um, butter thing in India. It's not. <laughs> That's cool, too. But this is real. It's real. And it's actually scientific. So if you're applying that principle 
then don't be surprised you're going to be successful. It's the same with the Wiggles. It's the same with X Venture. And truthfully, it's the same in the way I actually work with Matty on the field, playing it for Brighton or the Socceroos. Same principles. How do we actually make sure that when he walks on the field and players walk on the field, that they're actually in a happy place before they start? And it's not that easy. You've got to work at it. Absolutely. It's yeah. a habitual thing. It's habitual. I, mean, I feel like in your position, you would have to build sort of break down some walls with people first to be able to get in there real real deep right and i think i mean because the way you you succeed is obviously getting a deeper connection with the, the 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 people you're dealing with right and i think people come in all shapes and sizes and minds and all different things people believe you know different things they believe different things that that that, that make them you know, acted certain way, and I think uh, you need to get everybody to a certain level and to a certain connection before you can establish that, right? And um, is th- does that make sense? That's because I think it's even with customers, right? We have this philosophy at Mate that our customer service philosophy is we call it the triple H: head, heart, hands. So we say that if we can get into a customer's head with information that empowers them, that'll enable us to get into their heart, which is by loyalty and get them to to love us more than for what we're delivering to them. And, and then the next thing is if we get into their heads and get into their hearts, then they'll do something with their hands, which is buy our product because we've empowered them with information. We've got into their hearts. So we've, we've, you know, we've bought loyalty with them because they, they believe in what we're going to do and they believe in what we're going to say. And then that last part is they, they choose us because they trust us. And, and, and when, when we, everybody, all these businesses have these big fandangle sort of processes around customer service. We just say it's about the, the triple H. Head, heart, hands. If we deliver those three H's, and then we've got no problem. Yeah. You know, well, I like that. So can I use that? Absolutely, of course. Yeah. It's there's, tra- a li- you know, there's a licensing fee. There's a licensing fee. <laughs> TM, TM. Yeah. Listen, mate, I've got the URL already. It's all there. <laughs> no, no, no. It, 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 it's, and it's really nice because what you're doing is you're actually making it really human. Yeah. And I know that people say, oh, we're making it really human. But actually, we're humans, and pe- some people don't understand that. So, as an example, um, in football, so let's talk about or soccer. Uh, what are we going to call this? We're, we're, we look, call we're traditionists. We're, we're football. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you know what? When I first arrived in this country, uh, you know, I remember being EY. You know, the first thing that was really funny. I'll tell, I know it's a digression, but apologies. No, go for it. I probably going to cut more out. But when um, when uh, when I arrived here, I arrived in de- December. So I knew nothing about the culture of Australia, really. I thought we spoke the same language, clearly we don't. <laughs> so I arrived, and, and the office, the first thing I noticed, it was December. I had like three parties in a week. I was like, this is great, you know, December. <laughs> and then I came back in January, there's no one here. I was like, what's going on? You know, in England, it's like you get five days off and you get back in there, yeah, it's yeah, miserable, exactly, and yeah. the clouds are right on top of you. <laughs> but but someone, I remember someone saying to her, so do you like sport? I said, yeah. So what do you like? I said, football. Said, oh, right. He said, so who are you going to follow? And I said, I don't know. Who do I follow? And they said, oh, well, mostly the Melbourne teams, Collingwood, whatever. And I went, oh, no idea. So I checked them all out. Of course, it wasn't the same football. <laughs> so, you know, and I, and I struggled to get the nickname soccer happening. So it, it's a challenge for me. So I'm glad you're talking about football. But, but let's just talk about coaches for a moment um, because the, the great coaches, and, and someone asked me once, um, and, and it's on exactly the same plane. Someone asked me once, and I'll tell you who it was. It was, it was a, a keynote I was doing with Ledley King. Sounds all very kind of um, very uh, social climbing, all this, but it was. It was the launch of the Tottenham Hotspur program in Wollongong. And Ledley King, who was the ex-player from uh, from Tottenham, Adam Gilchrist was on there. Amy Duggan, who's on the board now of the yeah. FFA, was on there. I'm trying to think. Of, oh, and uh, Luke Wiltshire yeah. was on, and me. So all elite sports players, clearly, <laughs> <laughs> other than me. But the question was asked about something that matters about being a great coach, and they all went through. And I was last on the line, and they all talked about some specific memory they had about a coach saying something would matter to them. And I said, look, I can't describe that because I I didn't play elite level. But what I can say is a great coach is someone who cares, who's someone who cares. And a player knows. And what that also means is that a coach needs to understand the human before the player. And unfortunately, what often happens in elite sport and in fact, in business, you hire someone because they've got a skill. 
And so here is the head of telecommunications, whatever it might be. Here's the head of health and safety. But the truth is, in order for them to be the best they can really be, you've got to actually focus on that human being first. And it's every single time. And if you do that, that matters. And we all come in shapes and sizes. You're totally right. Totally shapes and sizes. So dealing with, for example, a Dave Carney compared to a Bobo, or dealing with a Mitch Duke to a Keanu, to dealing with Permin, um, who I've worked with as well, to, you know, uh, Mark Milligan. Everyone is different. And you start with that foundation first. But ultimately, they want the same thing. They just want to do their very best. And if you can get that nailed, then that happens. And what does your customer want? I mean, your customer wants something from you. And at the end of the day, as long as they've heard that you've listened to them and that you cared about them, what have you, it's exactly the same principle. Now, what I'd also say to add to that, if you look at elite sport, and I'm talking about football, a game that we love, and I've done this in cricket as well, by the way. So I've worked, last week I was working with the Australian women's cricket team, the world champions. But if you're looking at football, um, if you look at the basics of it, um, of coaching, technical, tactical, physical, mental, with communication, which bridges that. Now, you can apply that to your business too, Absolutely. technical, tactical, physical, and you can think about those things. And you've probably got things going through your mind that you think, oh, yeah, I can, I can see that. And then communication, which connects it. In sport until recently, and it's only recent, technical, tactical, physical have been the things that people have focused on. But the mental side of the game, and I call it the emotional side rather than the mental side, has been very, very slow in its actual upbringing. But interestingly enough, and this is where we are so aligned, you and I are so aligned, is that the thing that is clear now, when you get to elite sport at the top level, technical, tactical, physical are pretty much the same now. They're pretty much the same. You know, and it's the same with your bits, and it's the same with the NBN and what have you. It's all the same. Yeah. The only determining factor which makes a difference is the emotional side of this. And that's why I think it's exciting, period. Particularly if you've got business people like yourself, leaders of business like you, who actually already understand that and you're going to bring your 60 people to do that. It makes so much sense. We always say that, how many times have we said that, what are we offering that's different to everybody else in the market? Nothing, Nothing. really, right? I mean, yeah, there's a, bit, there's a bit of pricing here and there. There's a few dollars saved here and there. But the difference that we offer compared to our competitors is how the customer is at the centre of everything that we do right it's not the service it's not the product it's the customer and and then they're the first focus and whatever we need to do we deliver a per in, 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 in our calls that we have we deliver personalized service to that customer the way they need it in the in the places they need it and that i think that's very different to to our competitors and you know we've We've come from all different backgrounds. You know, Russell's a journalist. You know, Dom's right. come from a big, um, you know, experiential and, and um, an agency background. You know, and unfortunately, Dom and I have worked together for over 10 years in, in three different jobs and he keeps coming back, the poor guy. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, you know, we've, we've come from so many different organisations. I think we've all got the experience around what not to do. And I think one of the things that I think that finds we, we're successful, the reason why we're successful is that we know what we know, we've, got, we've lived through the pain and the challenges. And I feel like we've decided, well, first of all, what not to do and what we're good at and what we're not good at. And then and, and linked everything back to the to the customer who is the center of everything that we do in every in, in every situation. And when we come up with a new plan or a new service, it's not about oh that's a good plan, that's a good service. What is the customer going to think about that? Is it easy for them to understand? Is it easy to are they going to have a good experience and all those different things? Because if those things don't happen, and then it doesn't matter what we're delivering to them, right? And I think it, 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 it can, and to your point, it can adapt to any type of environment, every type of industry. Like we, I feel like you're. The way, the way you're talking, the way we're talking, we come from completely two different worlds, but we're delivering the same concept in, in many ways and the same, the same attitude that we feel like it's going to be um, let people be successful. Would you agree? Yeah, 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 totally. But I think what's obvious to me, um, and it sounds like your, your three of you are lines, that you are people who, who are self-aware and you've learned. And that's the thing that, you know, sadly, most people aren't that they're not self-aware. Yeah. So they don't actually read the signs and signals of themselves. So we have a very, very easy habit of actually blaming someone else. 
Um, you know, if we've all played football, I have, there are people on the field, who, they're the first ones that point the finger at someone on their field, you know, and, and say, oh, or their team and say it's them. But the truth is that actually, what are we doing to contribute to it? So, so with your customers, and, and this is what I say back to Elite Sport or back to the work we're doing at X Venture, so be it, you know, Adidas in Germany, who we worked with a couple of weeks ago, or a business school in Ontario last week, or ABB or HP, Hewlett Packard, we've done work with as well. It doesn't matter who it is, is that the, the, the first piece is, is about how are you actually looking after your people? How do they feel about doing it so when they're actually talking to a customer are they feeling the passion that you've got and they feeling that they have to you know deliver it for the customer in such a way so you know and that's the secret so you know even now with the soccerers the first stage of port of call was actually building the, the culture you're describing about your business arnie and myself and, and Rene mullenstein who's the ex-man united coach plus the staff our, our work was all about trying to trying to build a culture of accepting and acknowledging the fact that we haven't got any superstars, but neither do we want superstars. Mm. What we want is a great team of people who want to be together. And so we've moved from a place where um, it was challenge. It's challenging to go into the soccer account. I'm sorry I've jumped into the soccer no. here, but it's challenging <laughs> because because we're thousands of kilometers away. So you know you could be in you know like Musty is over in Denmark, you know and and so is Awar. And then you've got Matty and Aaron in Brighton. And then you've got, you know, well, Brad Smith was over in America. He traveled all the way from America, now, you know, Cardiff to get there. You've now got Bailey in Sunderland. You've got people in, you know, um, Adam, Adam Taggart in, in Korea. So wherever we go, we're traveling a long way. But now the excitement is actually being together. So we all want to be together because a culture has been created of care and attention and what have you, of doing something together that we all really truly believe in and making the customer feel so excited about it. And here we are, guess what? It's not complicated. Technically, tactically, physically, they're just the same people. Probably Rene and Arnie have brought an extra dimension to the way that they look in the play, but truthfully, the game's the same. You take a look at the posts in Q8 and the field, it was about the same as the posts in Jordan. They weren't any different, you know, actually. The field was about the same. The halves were about the same. Same principles again. But what we did was all about tuning them so emotionally they felt totally connected to what the goal was and goal is. And guess what? The top of the table in the World Cup. Bring it on. Let's hope we get these other games done shortly. And maybe I'll get to Kathmandu, which yeah. was <laughs> COVID stopped me. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> So, yeah, so we're, we're, the, the alignment of business, you know, business and, and elite sport is, is very close. But I think that the, the focus and attention on uh, emotional tuning, retuning, calibrating people and everyone taking responsibility about that actually makes a massive fundamental shift to your business and to the, and to the performance of your team. 100% agree. It's, it's funny that you mentioned previously um, uh, regarding staff and, and hiring people. Um, so an interesting concept which you're probably not aware of is that 95% of the people in our business that, that are working in our business actually have no background in the telecommunications industry, which is very interesting. So um, I know we always say it's unorthodox, but uh, yeah, so, you know, most of the people are here because either, you know, they know somebody or, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of family, obviously, um, you know, cousins and, and brothers and sisters and things like that. But um, a lot of people are friends of friends. Um, but, you know, they've all been hired not based on what they know because what we believe here is that um, if they're passionate enough and if they have the drive uh, to want to succeed, which which we all do, uh, then they'll, they'll be able to learn anything. So most of the people, 90% of the people in here um, started – have, having no idea about our telco now they're on the phone obviously talking to customers they're you know doing sales they're doing provisioning whatever it is um so that's i guess that's kind of interesting as well because i know you, you were mentioning previously that you you know you might hire someone who's got all the qualifications but uh, you know mentally or, or or you know they're not in the same headspace as as the rest and and it doesn't work out so yeah and we deliver an environment that i think people can excel in no matter who you are where you are or where you come from and you know the stories that we have are around you know we've got a somebody who is in our provisioning team was a cement renderer, then he turned into a hairdresser, and now he's in our provisioning team, and he's a key he's a key part of our business. To to somebody else who was a 
Um, he was a form worker, hurt his back, felt like he had no, no, no other career, and we gave him opportunity in the course, and uh, now he's leading our technical support team. But I, I, one thing that we, we, out of all the people we looked to hire, we, we couldn't find somebody with the right determination, passion, and motivation to make a difference, whereas we had to go somebody without the skill because they had the determination, passion, and motivation to succeed, but the rest, we knew the rest could be learned. And that's, I think, I mean, don't get me wrong, we always need people with experience too, yeah, right? But um, it's something, this day and age, what, what I've, when it comes to recruitment, what I can't find is people that come in sometimes focusing on the ability to go and do something or, the, or talking about how they're going to, how they're going to find out something that they may not know, right? You know, or, 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 or the am ambition and the motivation to go and do something more. And that's the challenge. And I think what you, what you do is, 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 is what, 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 what achieves that, right? And I think, Dom, you've probably got a bunch of questions, right? Yeah, well, just to touch on that as well. Like I think from a customer service perspective, you look at our, a bunch of our reviews that we get from our customers and the overwhelming th theme is that the people that they're talking to on the phone care. You can't teach that, right? Yeah. You can build the culture and, and bring the right people in, but at the end of the day, these people care about what's happening on the other end of the phone. They're not just trying to get rid of that person. So, Mike, you t touched on the technical, tactical, physical and sort of the mental, emotional bit overarches. Your business sort of falls around the EARL quality, yeah. so emotional agility, resilience and leadership. How is that? How do you apply that and why is it so important, I guess, from – let's use sporting teams as, as an example, but I guess it goes across everyone as well. Yeah, okay. So probably it's worth um, – I've got I've to I've jump in on something in a second about this recruitment because it's, it's brilliant. Oh, I think yeah. we're cousins. We must, we must, <laughs> we must be. It's just I, – I am so thrilled that you're doing that and good on you, honestly, because I'll give you a couple of examples of – I'm exactly the same in the way that we're talking about people and hiring and so on, but we'll come to that in a minute. So let's go to this, um, Earl. So um, I, I'm going to probably go through it as a, a little model first. Um, and I will also say to you that everyone that I work with, and this is A-League players, NPL players, young people at school, I'm going to try and help them understand what this means so that they then start to look at things slightly differently. Um, so Earl, in our sense, stands for emotional agility, EA, resilience, R, and L is leadership. And we came together from that through that through work we did working, you know, building masters in business MBA programs at Macquarie University and also Wollongong University, doing schools programs and also working in business and also running businesses. And so if I look at the emotional agility piece first, what we try and do is to try and say, look, in order for you to, and it's back to this blame piece, in order for you to work in a successful team, you need to understand yourself first and your contribution, understand your own emotions and how your own emotions affect those people around you. Because it's back to the mind again. The mind is relational. So give you so the first part of that is self-awareness. Self-awareness. So do I notice myself? When am I angry? When am I sad? When am I at my best? When am I at my worst? When I get frustrated? When I get disappointed? All those elements. So what we're already starting to do is going, yeah, actually, I know that. I know that. Why, when do I get up in the morning and I feel really, really crap? Now, we can go as far as to say, well, I had an, an argument with my partner the day before, or I'm frightened of someone at work or I've got a big issue I've got to face, or a presentation I've got to face, or it's purely because I didn't get any rest, or I've not got much rest. But this self-awareness is very fundamental. I'm going to give you a couple of really practical examples in a minute in, on the sports field. Self-awareness. Second part is self-management. So even if it, so, if you know these things, you're self-aware, have you got any skills and tools that you can use to manage yourself under those conditions? So can you drive happiness even further? So you notice you're a happy person. Why is it you're happy? What makes you happy? That's the self-awareness piece. And then if you can do that, then you can drive it further. Or I get disappointed, I get frustrated, I get angry. Have I got a tool or technique to enable me to cope with that or to deal with that? Sometimes it could be as simple as I have a person, a go-to person who can help me through it. It could be that. Or it could be I've got a breathing technique. Or it could be I notice it and I take time out. It, it could be a whole range of things. And those sound simple, but in fact, they're not simple unless you're aware of it. 
<laughs> okay. So, so have you noticed those two parts of emotional agility are internal, self-awareness, self-management. So think of this as an example on that. Uh, we, and, and this is true. This is a real, real life situation. We have a footballer who is a soccer now. He gets in the soccer team. But what I start to notice about him, this is when he's playing in the A-League, is that if he is playing and he makes a mistake, the next thing he does, he hurts someone. Right? And as, as, as guys, sometimes we go, oh, that's good, he's tough and he's strong, what have you. Uh, actually, he's going to get a yellow card. Under normal circumstances, he'll get a yellow card. And that yellow card changes the game. It changes the game more than anyone can ever know. Because straight away, if he's someone who's already had four yellow cards, he's going to miss a game or two. Or if it's a certain point in the game, he's actually, people are going to, if you're a smart team, you're going to use that against yourself. But if you're going in to go to the international environment, you're going to go to the Asia Cup, for example, the Asian Championship, you get a yellow card, you're really on the edge. And they give yellow cards out like no tomorrow. You get two yellow cards and you're gone. So this was something clearly that had to be dealt with. So the first thing is this person was not self-aware of it, right? And then he also didn't have the tools and techniques to deal with it. So part of my role was to actually try and figure out how to do that and work with them. And let me tell you, it works. This person is a quality footballer. He's a great guy. And he now hardly gets a yellow card ever because he's tuned himself. And now his focus isn't on frustration, disappointment, and anger. It's on certainly still being a strong, physical athlete, but also being able to cope and calm his emotions. But also as part of that, then you go into the external environment of emotional agility, which is about empathy and social skills. So this is where you guys as leaders also come in. So empathy is about noticing that someone needs help, noticing that someone doesn't understand, noticing that someone feels excluded. Yeah? And to think about that in the context, again, of a sports team. So um, when you start a season, you can have people from all over the world coming in. And they could be from Germany, Poland, Switzerland, Brazil. Bobo was from Brazil. Yeah. But, you know, you've got guys at the Western Sydney from, from Switzerland, Germany, all top lads. But this is a different culture. Have they got their family with them? Are they on their own? Are they someone who understands the language of what we're describing? The answer on all those things is no, they haven't in most instances. Quite often they go home to an empty house, to an empty apartment. Are we aware of this? Well, how good do you want your team to be? So the empathy is noticing, noticing. But then we go an extra stage further, and this is the social skill piece. Social skills, meaning, am I going to say something? Am I going to do something? What am I going to do about this? It's not just about noticing. This is about actually action as well and doing something. So talking to them about it. So when someone is on a field, it could well be that they're struggling. They've done two or three runs up and down the field. Uh, give you name, Michael Zulo, right? Michael Zulo, a little tiger he is. He's a, great, he's a great guy, actually, but a little tiger. He'd go up and down the field like a, unbelievable. But on occasions, um, you know, there'd be people who didn't understand the game going, look at Zulo, he's still up there, down there, can't get back. Mate, he's done 600 metres of running, sprinting, and he's not back in his position. Now, under conditions where the team isn't actually connected socially, then some people just forget that, and so they wouldn't pick up. But then comes down to this team orientation going, do we know, do we say something? And if we say something and they give you information back, is it honest information? Or are they saying it for you to, to just, just, oh, just say it? Yeah, yeah. How many times am I in a lecture theatre lecturing to young people and I say something which could be technical, a neuroscience piece around the brain or something, and then I say, okay, does everyone understand that? What do you reckon is going to happen? You've been you've been at college, you guys as well. You've been in these places. Who most people go? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then they go out and they leave the door and they go, "What was that about? <laughs> Did you understand that? What was he talking about?" And you're going to do the same with your staff. You're going to deliver a message to your staff, to your team, and people are going to go, "Yeah, that's okay." And they'll go out and go, "I don't know what you meant by that," because what we say is not necessarily what people hear. That's the way the communication works too. So social skills is about making that understood. 
So I've spent many, many an hour watching players receiving the technical analysis uh, on a video screen. And of course, the, <laughs> all the lights are down, you know, and the video is being presented and Arnie or Rene or Tony Vidmar or JP are delivering the message. And don't forget, there's some foreigners in there and they all lead out. Everyone okay? Good. Yeah, no problem. They go out. And Dave Carney might say, I don't have a clue what you said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mike, uh, I can resonate with that because um, before I came full-time in May and, and moved, uh, I was living in Singapore and I was doing an Asia role for Microsoft and I, I managed uh, a program dr uh, throughout Southeast Asia and, um, you know, I learned very early on that what I said isn't what people understood and you know and it would i would deliver a, a, you know some guidance and some tasks and some actions and come back three months later to that particular country and nothing got done then i, I once i unraveled it they realized well what you said i didn't even understand what you said but obviously confrontation and i didn't want to tell you that i didn't understand and all those different things so even in that culture i mean i guess it happens everywhere but I really resonate with that. You need to make sure that you have you, you leave the room that your message is being heard in multiple ways. Whether that's we, we do a lot in our business that we follow up in writing, we 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 explain it in more detail in what we call the mate bible. So you can always refer back to it and get the detail. And then we constantly rep, uh, you know revise that on on weekly and monthly basis as well, right? Yeah. 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 And and you know you, you you're taking some brave brave decisions you guys you know you've got 60 people there and and i love this notion of people who've not experienced this before so they're relying on some experts like yourself with a lot of experience to lead them and guide them and so clarity on what these things mean is so important and and again back back on the sports field so you know there are people that are actually more in tune with what you know they just see more so, I mean, I teach, I teach uh, people uh, um, stretching their peripheral vision. There are ways of doing it. So I do exercise around peripheral vision. And, but some people are really good at it, and they've actually got better and better at it. So they see things quicker. But if they've not got the social skills to be able to deliver that message, saying, you know what, I see their center back. Uh, he is really slow on the left. When he switches to the left, he doesn't, he doesn't move. Or the goalkeeper can only play to the right or whatever it is. If you're not actually sharing that knowledge with someone, then actually you're not emotionally agile, as emotionally agile as you should be. And so that's what we're talking about. So this is the area that I'm working in all the time. And it clearly you can hear it's communication yeah. and relationships which underpin this. And then the other final, final piece of emotional agility piece is intrinsic motivation. Back to the passion piece. So you could say, I'm using football again as an analogy, you could say, okay, uh, we've got a couple of injuries, uh, um, Dom, and so uh, this week, I know you, you like playing central midfield, but this week you want to play right back, okay? So it's really important you play right back. Now, I can see already he's not a happy boy about this. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's the game player. He, he's, the, he's the playmaker. I can he's, tell the, he's the striker. He, but, wants but the, he wants the glory, Mike. He wants the glory. Oh, he's, he's, oh, he's, he's one of those late strikers, is he? He's <laughs> something like that. <laughs> No, no, I shouldn't say that. There's some really, I should be careful. Yeah, yeah. You get rid of that one, Don. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, but what I'm saying is, is that you need to understand people's motivations. So, in fact, just by saying that is not going to actually deliver the men. He's already, he's like, oh, gee. But he's also going, are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm fine. And he goes off and he's walking out on the field and he's not 100%. So it's then about, well, how do you actually become close to this person in relation to a human, not as a player, as a human being in order to see this and get his motivation to see, ah, oh, this is intrinsically motivating for me. I can understand it now, I can see it. And, and too often as leaders, we don't do that. We just go, yeah, there we go. Or not understanding your own intrinsic motivation about why you do what you do. And that's also really important. So back to yourselves, why do you do what you do? And so I get people to think about that as well, uh, which is exciting. So within the space of Sydney FC or Western Sydney Wanderers, or Perth Glory MPL or the Australian women's cricket team trying to get a sense of what is it that they do that for? And quite often people haven't thought about it. They just turn up and do it. Oh, well, it's a, it's a gig. Well, you don't want people in your team that just a gig because you won't be a great team. You'll be a good team, but not a great team. Yeah. And that's what we're after. So trying to unearth that. Then we move to, so that's self-awareness, self-management, empathy, social skills, intrinsic motivation. 
And then the other the others then that we add to it are resilience. So that to me is the big one that we all need to deal with. And everyone says there's more resilience we need now. I don't know. I think we, you know, we need resilience when you're in the war years and when you're in the GFC and so on. It's just about how do you overcome your disappointments quickly? And how do you overcome those disappointments with a learning experience to go with it? And, you know, some people will just wear it on their sleeve for a long period of time. You know, you lost a gig, you lost a deal. I mean, who hasn't? I've lost loads of deals. And I've lost lots and lots of things and I've made lots of mistakes. And those things are also part of me. You know, those things are helpful for me. But I actually try my very best in learning from it. So it's, again, what did you learn from that? Okay, if you're going to take a penalty and you miss, and then you miss again, and you miss again, as per the England football team, you know, and they miss again. What have they learned from that? They're we, the most disappointed people on the planet. We have this big sign on the wall, you can't see it, that says mistakes are opportunities. Totally. Totally. So it's this piece, and we measure we measure resilience. So we, and then the final one is leadership. So everyone has a leadership moment. So all your sixty people are going to lead at some point, um, and I think that's also about this shift of what I believe leadership is about. You know, sure there are leadership. I mean, I've worked actually. It's been an, I've been so so fortunate in my life. I've worked with um, a great friend of mine is Mandela's ex um, head of VIP services, a guy called Rory Stain. S-T-E-Y-N. And Rory worked with Nelson Mandela for five years, um, morning and night, morning till night, looking after him. You know, he's almost like his bodyguard. Um, but Rory says that, that Nelson Mandela was the great leader that we saw regularly as the leader of the South African community and probably a world leader. But many, many times he was the person who wanted to be led by people around him. And that comes down to a trust piece. So when are you going to take over and be the leader? It's your turn. That requires social skills. It requires trust because you know that people trust that your opinion matters and so on. So, so all those pieces, all part of what we call Earl, and we measure that. So my focus and attention is on that. So as a final example, um, I'm doing a project at the moment, which is really exciting which looks at how we communicate on the field. So do you guys play? Do you, do you still kick a ball uh, around, you guys? Very loosely, very loosely. Wow. We, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I tore my Achilles last year, so I think it, that's, that's when my boots were put back on the shelf, I think. That's, that's great, that's great. <laughs> or, or whatever sport you've done, you, you'll yeah. have played a sport. Yeah, yeah. But, but if you go onto the sporting field, and this is actually true for elite sport, but in every single elite sport in the world. So I've done my research on this, but um, that you'll go onto a field, and people will use language which is totally different, you know. Uh, and 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 then don't be surprised if you get it wrong. So and then what actually happens now, which is fascinating to me, is that the video analytics is so full on that everyone's analysing. So they'll analyse a mistake. So you know, Ross passes the ball to Dom. Dom doesn't see Mark coming around the back of him. who's playing for the other team. And, and he's taken off and he scores. But the, ana- the analytics sees the video piece. What it doesn't see is what was said and what wasn't said. And what wasn't said was, mate, there's someone on you or man on or whatever. It's not done. Or someone called something different, which wasn't the right time or didn't call at all. And at certain times of game, as you get tired during the day, you know, if you've not had your sixth cup of coffee, you know, or the third or whatever it is, <laughs> People start to flag and then go, oh, yeah, so you don't have to communicate as well. All these things are part of the signs and signals that I'm really interested in. So I'm interested in that, how people communicate or don't communicate, as the case may be, within this framework. That's amazing. And I think it's really core to sort of, I, I know we haven't met you before, Mike, but I think everything you're saying is, I, I would like to say some of it we're, we're trying to deliver to our business yeah. as well and I think we can learn a lot from this as, as well, which is great and I think we can awesome. expand on all those different things but uh, I think it's so important. Training training the mind is so important, right? And so, yeah, I mean, Ross. And yeah, just uh, to finish off, Mike, um, how can people get in contact with and get involved with uh, X Venture? So give yourself oh, a bit of a plug. 
that's so kind of you. Well, look, I'm going to give you my email address anyway, because I, I like to be accessible to people. And it could be someone who needs help. You know, I mean, genuine help who's struggling, or it could be someone who just wants to chat or got, I've got an idea. So I always love the challenge. So I'll give you my email address, which is Mike at xventure, xventure.com.au. But you could also go onto the website, which is xventure.com.au. You could do that. Can I just flag one more thing go with you? Yeah. You said something which was so significant, I think. Something which, which we just got to keep reinforcing. And, and I think that what you're doing is amazing. Uh, I can Thank learn you. from you guys too. Thank you very much. Me, I can. Um, but, but, you know, you were talking about choosing people and you're choosing people for the right reasons. You know, great. It's a great sign signal to anyone who's listening to what you're trying to do as well. So they should be actually participating and, and, and linking with you anyway, because I think it's a powerful thing because most don't do this. Uh, they go in and they go, ah, this person has got all these, you know, all this, and they've got all this, that's in, we should hire them. Not at all. You're doing it the right way. But as an example, so when we, we created two TV series called the X-Venture Family Challenge, which was about the connection between teenagers and families, bringing them together and saying, how do they actually work together and grow together? So we did two series. One was in, in New Zealand, and then the other one was in New Zealand and, and Australia. When I chose the team to do this, and I've got a reasonable amount of experience in, in production, but I decided, do you know what I'd love to do is to have a team of a blend of experts, you know, some videographers who are good, but I'll also get people who've never experienced a TV program ever before, never done any productions before. So we went and got a scholarship of three young people from around the world, never done anything. And we got all these young kids wanted to do it. We flew them in. We had people who were doing wrangling, who'd never done wrangling before. We got people who were holding, you know, um, microphones who'd never done that before. Event people who'd never done that before. But let me tell you, the energy was unbelievable. And the videographers who had kind of been around a long time told me this is one of the greatest experiences they'd ever had. Amazing. And they all came back the following year because we had a brand new group of young people working with us and it keeps us on our feet, doesn't it? It yeah. keeps us on our toes, you know, that energy. So good for you for doing that. I think it's terrific. Oh, I appreciate that, Mike. And I think all the contact points and everything we'll put into the show notes as well of the, of the podcast yeah. for our listeners to get access to. Um, any lasting comments from yourself, Mike? Oh, mate, I've loved it. I've loved enjoying you. I've got to come and see you at Weatherwell Park oh, or wherever please. you are on your fancy job in Sydney, wherever you are. <laughs> no, I'd love to. I think we've got stuff to do. I think we, we have got stuff to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anything, last words from you guys? Ah, very interesting. I've yeah. taken a bunch of notes and I could uh, keep going. But uh, All right. Well, um, well, thanks, Mike, for joining us. Really appreciate it. Um, I mean, we'll we'll look to get you on in in a couple of months as well, and uh, and, and and I think this is a conversation that can keep going over multiple episodes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're connected. We're connected. I'm really thrilled, and thanks for having me. Appreciate thanks, Mike. Thanks, thank Mike. you. Thanks for listening to the Let's Be Mates podcast by the team at Mate. Search for the Let's Be Mates podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and at letsbemates.com.au. Hit subscribe to get the latest episode each week. For all your telco needs, choose a provider you can trust like a mate. Visit letsbemates.com.au, Google Mate, or call us on 13 14 13 to sign up today.